0: Welcome, everybody, to my podcast, Big Little Small Talk. I'm Megan O'Hara Sullivan, and I love to talk, but I also love to listen. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to Big Little Small Talk. Today, I have a special guest with me, Rhonda Weston, AM, Medal of Order of Australia. Now, I'm going to read some words out, and... I must admit, Rhonda, when I read them, it was all a bit foreign to me, and then I'm going to get you to explain them. So you are the immediate past president of U3A Toowoomba. You are the president of U3A Network Queensland and deputy chair of U3A Australia. You're the only Australian on the international governing board
1: of AIUTA. What does all that mean, Rhonda? And welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Megan. Well, as as you've said, I'm the immediate past president of U3A in Toowoomba. That was a role that I had for very nearly 13 years, and I was the vice president the year before, and the year before that on a fundraising committee, back in the day when U3A in Toowoomba was in a different situation than it is now. So, um, having said that, when we moved here to retire in 2004, I said to all my friends where we'd lived in the Hunter Valley, I'm not going on any more committees, I've been on committees since I was 14, I'm over them, I'm only doing things that are fun now. And they all looked at me in horror and said, "Ronda, well, how will you ever meet anybody? I said, oh, plenty of things to do for fun in Toowoomba. So I joined U3A and for, uh, well, David and I both did. And for several years, I avoided the committee. Um, and then a set of circumstances led us to, to join the committee. So, U3A struggled in those days in Toowoomba, but um, I'm always interested in big picture. So, for some reason now, which I can't quite remember the exact steps, uh, we joined the... um, Toowoomba U3A joined the Queensland uh, Committee. And then, as it happens for some reason, um, or because I don't know how to say no to somebody, Um, would you take on the President's role Rhonda? So I did that and I was a State President 2012 to 2015 did my term and was just a Toowoomba President but while I was the Queensland President I was on the Australian Committee back in that time and met um, the International President and then I was invited to be on the Asia-Pacific Alliance U3A committee and eventually was asked to be the chair of that which I did for 3 years and was invited to France to speak at the 40th anniversary of U3A in Toulouse by the world president and AIUTA stands for the Association of Universities of sorry Association of International Universities of the Third Age and so we became involved I became involved with that and have spoken, I think, at about seven or eight international conferences around the world to do with U3A. So so I think it, most people probably know
0: what U3A is, and you did mention it there that it's the university of the third age, but just talk to the
1: listeners a little bit more about what exactly U3A is. U3A was started in France in the 1970s to give um, seniors in the community the opportunity of lifelong learning. And in Europe, most U3As are conducted in mainstream universities and by um, lecturers and in the university system. In Australia, when it went to England and then came to Australia, it became community-based. And that's what we have here in Toowoomba and and all around Australia. But some universities in Australia are very supportive of their U3A. Um, And so it's just opportunity of lifelong learning. Mm
0: -hmm. So those people,
1: um, when it started off in the
0: university, were they um, taking exams and getting some sort of qualification, or it was more sort of an adjunct type of um, course that you could do,
1: but you weren't you weren't trying to get a degree or something? Yes, exactly. It was it was like we say in Australia, more for interest and um, uh, self improvement or. or um, just to expand your knowledge on something that you mightn't have had the opportunity as a young person to participate in university courses, and so it was. It was for seniors. I think it's um, expanded quite a lot, definitely here in Australia since those early days. And now it, it encompasses the whole of the healthy and active ageing, and in, in you know social inclusion and physical activities as well as the academic aspect. Mm.
0: Well, I want to keep talking about U3A in a minute and the range of things from the age of the Vikings to pickleball and things that you can <laughs> do at U3A. But I want to go back, Rhonda, to um, your early years. Like, you don't seem like the type of person who lived some type of um, quiet life and then suddenly became the president of the U3A International
1: or whatever you have said that you've been doing. So tell me about where you grew up. I grew up a farmer's daughter, sugarcane, passion fruit and pineapple on our farm in Nicombar, and now you're going to say, where's that? (laughs) If you've been between Meribah and Harvey Bay, you've passed right through Nicombar. My family were Danish um, settlers in that area back in the late 1800s, and um, my father and his brothers and most of my cousins in those times were all cane farm sugarcane farmers. So I grew up on the land. anyone growing up in the 50s and 60s life was definitely different than it is now Um, very ordinary I suppose um, life Um, we struggled like most other people there wasn't too much of anything available in those days Um, we we walked to school from five years old two or three miles down this dirt track to catch the buses that went down the the, uh, road and um, I often think now you know that um, kids aren't even allowed to walk two hundred metres to school unless they've got their phone and they text mum when they get there and all of those things. Um, brothers, you know, brothers and sisters, Rhonda. I have two sisters, one older and one younger. Okay, you're the middle child. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely a middle child. Um, and and yes, we worked on the farm after school and weekends. Same as probably a lot of country kids did in those days.
0: And you went to school locally. What did you do when you went when you finished school?
1: Um, well, I got a job because um, I guess mostly my upbringing was girls didn't really need a career. Um, you get a job and then you get married. And so I worked at the um, at the local um, marine centre, real estate agent, and then. Just before I turned 20, I um, made the really outrageous move and went to live in Brisbane. And so I worked at um, Queensland Book Depot for a couple of years. met David Bolly, he was there. He was at Amberley doing his national service, as a lot of young men did in those days. And we got married, travelled around Australia. We lived in the West for eight years. Our girls were born in Rockingham. We did a year in the Pilbara, um, out in a closed mining town. Um, spent a day stuck in the desert, about 80 k's from Marble Bar when the car broke down. Um, no cars went past for a whole day. Uh, had some interesting adventures over the years. So um,
0: were you working in this time? You were travelling around because of David's career, were you?
1: Yes, yeah. David was in the mining industry at that time. I mostly worked. Um, where we lived and we were a while in Gladstone um, and up in the Pilbara in Rockingham and then we had two daughters so in those days mum stayed at home and I didn't go back to work until our youngest daughter went to school and by then we'd moved to the Hunter Valley.
0: Okay and were you then sort of um, starting to get on, you know, the school PNC or the local chamber or
1: starting in committee type work then? Well, yes, but I'd been doing it before then. Um, when we were young, we were in youth groups and, and I was um, connected with, you know, the I can't even remember what it was called back in those Not days. the Girls Brigades. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, no. Um, we went to Junior Farmers and the youth group at church and Sunday school, obviously. And, yes, and then when my girls went to preschool, I was on the committee at preschool um, and then other guides, um, girl guides. My girls were, were brownies and girl guides. And um, after I finished work... Um, many years later, I was the Region Commissioner for Girl Guides in the Hunter Valley. I had never been a Girl Guide, but my girls had. Um, so I'm starting to get a sense of how Rhonda ended up
0: having the stellar career with U3A <laughs> that you did. So you'd sort of taken on these leadership roles and um, were sort of used to the way executives
1: work and things like that? Well, yes, and I, and I um, once, when the girls went to school, I had a couple of different jobs. Worked for an insurance agent, and then I um, was given a clerical position at the um, Australia Meat Holdings, which was the um, uh, abattoir in Aberdeen in the Hunter Valley. And I'd been there a couple of years working in the for the engineer, and and then long story, but which I won't bore you with. But I became the um, purchasing manager, and went to night school and got a, a certificate in purchase and supply, and. Um, organised a 100 year celebration obviously with the committee um, of the uh, meatworks in Aberdeen and I stayed there until overnight they were closed down like meatworks sometimes are um, back in the 90s and then I um, waited for David to retire and we we moved here. And what prompted the move to come to Toowoomba Rhonda? Oh retirement. And why Toowoomba? We say that we looked for somewhere to retire to because we didn't come from the Hunter Valley so we weren't ever going to stay there. Um, And we used to go on holidays and we say we searched from Bega to Begara for somewhere to retire to and could never quite find the the right spot. We'd sort of go on holidays and think, would we like to live here? Well, no, not Toowoomba. And of course, coming from Harvey Bay, my mum was still alive, so we were passing through Toowoomba you know very very regularly and we passed through one time and one of us said to the other we probably could retire here so we came and instead of passing through we'd stay two or three days at different times of the year and by the time we came to live here we actually had about three suburbs only that we knew we wanted to live in and um, so that's what we did
0: and you thought well uh, we better get active and we better <laughs> go and um, make some friends <laughs> yes. and we better so what
1: was the first course that you did at u 3a um, we moved here in the May and we joined u three a in the August of two thousand and four. I, I joined the investment group. Um, we both joined the tennis group. David joined the geology group um, and then the next year, I joined the belly dance group. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the most fun megan honestly um, and and understanding behavior. I've done language classes and pilates and yoga and sabashi, which I still do sabashi and yoga.
0: What's um, sabashi?
1: It's like tai chi um, and all sorts of different activities, history classes, poetry classes. Um, while I'd love to join the music ones, I haven't because I can't sing a note, um, but I do enjoy music. and. We love going to the ukulele concert at the end of term because they just have so much fun. Um, so, uh, I think over the years, in fact, I was trying to to make a list of classes that I've been to, and I think I've been to about twenty different groups over the years. So, while you were um, then, you started to get involved in the executive. Were you still doing courses then? Oh yes, yeah. I, yes. Yeah. All, uh, the whole time I've been there hasn't been any year where I haven't done something. I actually. Um, for many years, organised a dynamic life um, lecture series. Oh, what does that mean? I had a guest speaker every week, um, and when COVID struck, of course, that got closed down like everything. But there were 280 people on my class roll on mon- and 200 of them turn up every Monday morning to hear a guest speaker. Mm-hmm. And several of your colleagues have um, been, you know, involved in that, and. We would have guest speakers from the university, or just from the community, or um, interesting people. And some people would say to me, "Oh, well, I didn't think I'd find that interesting, but I came anyway." And they were just blown away by the by the um, quality and the interest of these guest speakers. So. Um,
0: I think um, I did make a, an appearance as a guest speaker at one of your lectures you and did. they were a very good audience, I yes, have to say, Rhonda, that, they laughed at did. all my lame jokes and um, I thought, yes, I could... Um, That's I right,
1: could. you did too, I remember that now, <laughs> you did, yes, no, that great. was a lot of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes.
0: Rhonda, who, who decides what courses are going to be take, uh, offered at U3A? Because
1: and where do you get the lecturers from? Uh, everywhere. Everywhere. And because everyone's a volunteer, the way it works for us is that we can only offer the course if we have a a suitable person. We call them all tutors, but a lot of them aren't tutors, of course, but um, if we don't have a, a suitable tutor or a tutor for a particular subject, activity or craft, well then we can't offer it. But if someone particularly comes and says to us, or a number of people say, well, I'd really like to learn X, Y, Z, we do our very best to try and find somebody to take that, but of course that's not always possible.
0: So was that your role? You, Someone would come and say, look I want to learn about the age of the Vikings, Rhonda, can you find me someone who can teach me about that, and you go out and find, try and find someone?
1: Well no, that was the tutor coordinator's role, and David carried out that role for about 15 years. He has retired as well from from that position as well, but we're both obviously, well we're life members now of U3A in Toowoomba. So. Um, which is something totally new. I'll just remind the listeners that we're in big little small
0: talk. Today we're talking to Rhonda Weston AM, who has just retired from as the past president of the local U3A, the University of the Third Age. How do people find out what courses are on offer and where is
1: the actual U3A building? Well, U3A and Toowoomba don't own any buildings. We have our what we call our home at the Philharmonic, performance complex in Harristown and it's a really great uh, relationship and partnership that we have with the Philharmonic Society because um, we've been there now I think since 2010 and they were like a lot of organisations struggling in those days. So we went rooms there 52 weeks of the year and probably a third, perhaps a little bit more of our activities are held there. But Otherwise they're held all around Toowoomba from Crow's Nest where we have a branch to Pittsworth where we have a branch, schools, church halls, um, local swimming pools, table tennis association rooms, everywhere um, that the venue hire is not too expensive because being a community group and not for profit with no government funding whatsoever, um, we can't afford commercial rates for anything.
0: Well, you made mention there of um, the other U3As in, in the region. I wanted to ask you about that. So when did you expand out of Toowoomba, and was that sort of a, an initiative of yours?
1: or? Well, no. Um, there's 36 autonomous U3As in Queensland, and um, Toowoomba has been um, active since 1990. And not long after I became the president um, Ros Scotney and a gentleman that was working at the council at the time approached us about having a U3A in Pittsworth and that's how that branch developed. And they um, are full members of Toowoomba and realised that it would be to their advantage if they stayed members of Toowoomba instead of becoming autonomous. So that worked really well and we had a a coordinator in Pittsworth. And then about six years ago, I think, um, Crow's Nest wish to have a U3A as well so it works the same way and um, classes are held in Crow's Nest there's a Crow's Nest coordinator and in fact um, that's Penny Pothero, and she has just taken on the role of president of the entire Toowoomba U3A. (laughs) Go Penny.
0: (laughs) So Rhonda I read that um, U3A Toowoomba has
1: got 2200 members is that right? That was our number before COVID but we lost a lot of members when COVID came and those numbers about 1900 now, mm. so not quite built back up to pre-COVID numbers. And something like 190 classes? And that was pre-COVID as well, so we're down I think to about 150. So and 150 classes are going at the moment? Yes, most most of them are weekly, some are like lunch clubs and theatre things are, are, are monthly, sorry, and most things are weekly, those things are monthly. So most weeks there would be a choice of well over a hundred activities that people could do in our area.
0: It's just an incredible sort of thing that's available for people, isn't it? It is. is. And And what's the cost, Rhonda, for people to do
1: things? I suppose it must vary, does it? Well, membership is $65 a year now um, in Toowoomba. So that went up just this year because of various things. Um, and hadn't been increased since 2008, Megan, so I said to everybody, if you can tell me something else hasn't gone up since 2008 I'd be happy to hear it. Um, but anyway, people still realise that annual membership is $65 and every year for the last 14 or 15 years we've been able to offer even an early bird discount on that, so that's really great. And then depending what activity you do, so if you go to an activity at, at our home at the Philharmonic, um, it's $25 a term for learning English or Chinese or French or whatever you're doing there. Um, if you play tennis or go swimming or table tennis or something, it would be a, a different cost because of the venue hire. Um, so mm.
0: I just can't imagine the sort of logistics of organising all of this, and sort of organising the people in the
1: class and the tutors. And do you have any paid staff at U3A? We do in Toowoomba. We're one of two U3As in Queensland. We actually employ a a permanent person in the office, that um, just for during the term. So our wonderful office administrator Trish Barrett has been with us now. This is her tenth year, and to have her there every day at the Philharmonic, where we have four classrooms, so you know we could have a couple of hundred, well we do actually have several hundred people pass through that complex in, every week. and um, So having someone there in our office available who is so um, exceptional at their job has been a great benefit to U3A and Toowoomba. Mm.
0: You mentioned it just um, a little while ago about um, COVID, and I wanted to ask you about the sort of um, has the focus on the classes. I wanted to talk about the whether there's more sort of mental health classes, and whether you felt that um, COVID drove a, a more of an interest in that type of thing, the isolation of
1: people not doing their classes and things. Certainly. Um people were very very keen to come back because of the social aspect and i think probably that was the biggest thing that they missed because if you were studying a language there were so many ways that you could still do that um online while COVID kept us all at home but did um, you
0: do that sorry to interrupt you did did you have did you go online with U3A for um classes The ones that could do
1: it we did offer um and various U3As around Queensland and particularly Brisbane, they actually offered, I can't remember exact numbers now, but, but well over 100 classes via Zoom. Um, we were a little bit different, I think, and I think it's partly because of we're country, regardless of whether we're a city or not, we are country. Um, and people come to our classes in their own car. Hardly anyone comes on the bus we won't go there about whether we've got a bus or not. Um, Certainly no one comes on the train because we definitely don't have any trains. Um, Whereas in Brisbane, people had to catch public transport because their main U3A is right in the CBD of Brisbane. But here, um, and so we offered and offered to train our tutors in how to use Zoom and hold their classes if they could. Very few took it up and the ones that did take it up found it wasn't really their thing or their students thing. A few sort of persevered, but for the most part, um, we didn't have too many online here in Toowoomba. And I think other U3As... Um, I'll just edit this part out. Leroy,
0: just closing the door on the phone call there. So,
1: other U3As... Yes, um, perhaps offered more via, via you know Zoom, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We haven't probably gone into more classes that noticeably mental health, but I know that we have a number and more um, participation in classes that deal with um, meditation and um, well-being, but not a huge number. Mm. So, But I do know for sure that um, being together with their little group of friends was something that all of our members missed mm.
0: you and i have talked about it a few times um, a couple of funny stories one that my mother used to say that she was going to university she couldn't quite um bring herself to say she was going to u3a it says might say, say more about mum then <laughs> but also that my mother-in-law attended singing for fun so she tell did. us about you said you, you you haven't been part of the singing group what's the singing for fun what do they do And do they still go, the singing club? Yeah,
1: oh, absolutely. And that's one of the groups that I think started around about... It was before I was on the committee, and I would suggest somewhere 2006 or something like that. Um, And at one stage... Well, I think they've changed their location now, so they have a bigger venue. But at one stage, the venue that they had and and the leader of the group that they had had people on a waiting list for years because no one left and um everyone just had so much fun and they sang all the old songs the singing for fun group we've started several other singing groups to try and accommodate those that were on waiting list for years and um but the singing for fun group they sing all the old songs people come and it's just so um enjoyable and friendly they sing for an hour then they have a break and a cuppa and lots of talking and then they sing again and no one ever leaves it so that was why there's such a long waiting this but we do have that with a lot of our classes if we get complaints the biggest complaint is I can't get into what I want to do that's a, you know if we had to have a whole page of complaints that would be top middle and and final okay.
0: tell me um what what are the sort of some of the not the weirdest, but what are the most unusual classes that you thought this will never have anyone participate in this? I mean, you've got philosophy. We talk about pickleball. We talk about being the Wellcamp Airport ambassadors.
1: What are they? Uh, we have we have had a few um, classes that haven't really um, got up and running over the years. One was parapetetics. Which um, we had to exactly we had to look it up as self, megan, just um, to, to know exactly what it was um, and and it really it was it was people um, um, learning about history but walking and talking and discussing like the old um, you know in the old Greek days um, and that didn't really get going, so that was um, so way out that I think people it was just too difficult the other thing too, even though we have a lot of activity groups Um, perhaps some of the people who participate and enjoy in the more academic um, areas perhaps aren't as physically able so you know walking and talking was not their thing Um, if you want to walk and talk you join the walking group Um, so that's probably the strangest one we and we've had a couple of ones that um, probably weren't as popular as we thought they might have been but one that that really intrigued me was many years ago we had a 70-something-year-old gentleman teaching tatting. And most of your listeners probably say, well, what on earth is tatting? Um, but the fact, I guess, to me, it was strange because in my upbringing men didn't do tatting. Um, very sexist sort of remark, but um, that's a fact. And tatting is such a, a very old craft, so beautiful, but it's the making of the lace with those little bead things, isn't it? The w-
0: wooden things, is that no, right? No, 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 no,
1: no, no. Um, it's a little bit like crocheting. You know, if you're if you're doing very fine crocheting, tatting is even finer than that. Um, so, and that went for a number of years. But, what was um, that
0: gentleman's history? Why did he know how to tat?
1: I think, if I remember, he told me his aunt had taught him as a child. And yes, it was fascinating. So in that
0: instance, would he have approached you and said, look, I'm a really good Tatar? Yes.
1: Um, can I teach a class? Yes, absolutely. And, and that's really how most of our um, tutors come to us. Or sometimes, though, we might have a class that's been going for you know, a number of years, and the tutor, for whatever reason, health or whatever, um, has to step down but the class doesn't want to stop, we try and get someone from that group, like we did with Singing for Fun, where your mother-in-law participated. Um, When the tutor could no longer do it, someone from the group stepped up. And so some of our tutors come to us that way, but otherwise... um, I actually got a a speaker for my Dynamic Life series from Standing in the queue at at Qantas Check-In at um, Sydney Airport several years ago, uh, just by talking to people. And so we, we David and I particularly, used to do that if, if we were at something outside of U3A and you're chatting to people as you do, and um, you know if they have a passion or an interest, we encourage them to think about sharing it at U3A.
0: Somehow that doesn't surprise me, Rhonda, that you might be able to um, twist people's arm to come and at <laughs> least at least give a talk. I mean, it's very very time consuming your mm. whole role there. Mm. You enjoyed it, obviously, but oh, just yes. got to a point like all the travel overseas and all of that did you did you love that
1: oh yes absolutely um and would never have gone to some of the countries that um we did visit because they you know they wouldn't have been on our bucket list, but there was a u three a um conference there that I was invited to speak at, and so we you know we decided well. That's what we're doing with our life, so that's what we're going to do. What sort of things would you speak <clears> at <throat> at an
0: international conference? Were you bringing an Australian perspective or a yes. Toowoomba perspective? or Australian. What, what sort of thing? Yeah.
1: Because mostly in U3As in Australia operate in the same way. Different areas and different states would offer different subjects perhaps because it would depend who was available in their community. Um, but I always spoke... When I was overseas this is how we do U3A in Australia and um, depending what the theme of the conference was you know extra things were added at, at a particular lo- location or conference.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you Rhonda about David's role um, supporting you here but I'll just remind the listeners that we're in big little small talk with me Megan O'Hara Sullivan we're talking to Rhonda Weston AM Who needs to tell me about all of her um, accolades I guess in a minute but um, I I want to find out because you have been fairly prominent in as as the president and things and David everything I read um, David is a behind the scenes supporting you making sure everyone's got a chair everyone's got a drink everyone's how, how did how did he go with you having this very prominent job
1: Hmm. Interesting question. <laughs> he helps in lots of ways um, behind the scenes. Um, he's very good, for example, at um, creating beautiful PowerPoint presentations. So, if I'd write the, I'd write my um, presentation, and and um, he would work his magic and and turn it into a great PowerPoint. Um, back in the day when I was doing PowerPoint presentations. And yes, he has always been supportive in in since we've been involved with u three a in the in the roles that I've taken um, He's happy to drive the car anywhere if you say, "Oh, there's a conference that I have to go to in Townsville." Well, you don't want to fly around we should drive um or or whatever the location might be, so that's usually helpful to me for him to be doing that, and as you said, just there, making sure the technology works which is good and tossing around ideas probably over the years (laughs) his biggest complaint might be what we're going to talk about at breakfast because it'll be something I thought of at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) and so that's our topic for breakfast yes I
0: don't I don't don't want to sort of put too fine a point on it or make it a big deal but you you did say before you know that's a sexist thing to say and maybe it's sexist of me uh, sexist me asking the question but You know a lot of men maybe don't like their wives being very busy and um, and 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 being in that supporting role and I guess you know it's a
1: little bit unusual isn't it yes I suppose it is Um, David is probably um, and he would tell you this as well probably more of a behind-the-scenes person he's not um, he's not very interested in standing up in front of a room full of 600 people and giving a presentation Um, Mind you, had you asked me to do that in the early nineties, I would have just hidden under the table. But now, I don't even think about it now. Mm.
0: And do, are you surprised
1: by where you've how you've grown
0: as a person, or having such a huge role in an international role like that? Like, if someone had have asked you when you were forty whether you were going to do something like that, or did you always just think, you know, I've got a big sort of career up ahead of me?
1: Didn't think about it. Not for one minute, never, you know, even though I've been working on committees, as I said earlier, most of my life, um, and I've probably mostly been secretary or president or something of the sort, but no, never for one minute um, did I think I would be speaking overseas or even travelling overseas, to be quite honest. although we had travelled overseas a bit before U3A, but um, no, never occurred to me, and even when we came here, never occurred to me to think that I would be doing that. As I said, I wasn't joining any more committees, I was just going to do things for fun. Mm. Well,
0: tell me about getting the um, the Medal of the Order of Australia. How, how does that work
1: for people who don't know? And You get nominated by someone? Someone nominates you, yes, and then um, it's quite a process, and can take a number of years for from the nomination to the to the actual award if, you know, I, I, I've got no idea how many people get nominated and don't receive one, um, but, um, and then I was very surprised after I did receive one a number of weeks to find that there's a whole Order of Australia Association and we have a Darling Downs branch, so when you think you know things Don't know anything. You haven't
0: taken that on and um, started organising, you know, catch ups or anything like that with your fellow um, AMs or
1: OAMs. They do have such a twice a year, or at least twice a year, they have um, uh, you know morning teas here in in Toowoomba for the Darling Downs recipients. So that's really great because you chat to other people. And
0: um, so I mean, you've had that, and you've had sort of citizen of. The year and all of those, like, are, are you sort of surprised by that, or you just have taken it all in your stride, Rhonda? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, surpri- Yes, surprised when it happened, and and um, um, because we in 2019, David and I were citizens of the year and region citizens of the year, that was a huge, you know, huge surprise. Um, something that you never ever expected or thought i would be receiving any accolades of of that sort Um, Mm -hmm. i was always sort of a an average student at school and um you know nothing nothing really outstanding in the way of um, academic qualifications or any any of those things Mm so so to to receive um, it's really very humbling, I think, to receive awards of that um, um, calibre and, and, yes, you mm. do get over it though, I suppose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't believe you your own publicity, <laughs> you
1: reckon. <laughs> well, and I suppose you don't think about it very often is probably what I'm, it's not mm. something that you think about.
0: You're not getting upgraded on a flight or anything like that? No. Though. No. no. Disappointing. <laughs> what about your girls, Rhonda? What did they go on to do, study with such a dynamic pair, set of parents?
1: Well, our, our, we have one daughter who lives here, and our one grandson still here. We have two grandsons, um, and we have a daughter in Melbourne, and she's a missionary, and she um, has been in that role um, pretty well ever since she left school. She's um, travelled to Malaysia and Samoa and South Africa, and, and now, says her mum, thank goodness, she's safely in head office in Melbourne, um, and in Australia, so, um that's what our eldest daughter has done, and our youngest daughter has been a mum and um and she's still here, her youngest now is a teenager, so yeah. was faith a
0: big part of your um you said you mentioned that you went to Sunday school and you went to church is that part of a big part of your life?
1: It was growing up, yes, um you know all of our all of our cousins and everybody. Pretty well. Church was a was and Sunday school were a part of our whole upbringing, and um, and we participated and were involved in um, a church in in the Hunter Valley, and Christina has um, continued working in in the mission area with her organisation. So I don't be- belong to a church here in Toowoomba.
0: Mm. You've come to the come to the right place for joining a church it's, um, it's, it's a full of churches church. it <laughs> is right. indeed yes. what, um, what are the, let's just go back to U3A for a second I, was, I wanted to ask you before um, is there sort of for people who are listening and thinking oh that sounds great there's got to be something there for me is there a, um, a span of age groups, I,
1: um, I want to ask you, or, you know, is it mostly people who have retired or
0: sort of young mums or anything like that?
1: No, it's, it's university of the third age, and, and the, the broad definition of third age is um, your first age is you're, you're a child, your second age is that you're a young um, adult raising children, and your third age is immediately that you retire and long before you get to your fourth age.
0: Oh, what's the fourth age? Is that the one where you're pushing up daisies?
1: Well, no, it's probably when you're, um, you know, in the care of um, Broadrib or um, somebody like that, mm. um, or perhaps housebound because of your age and your um, ability, your you know mobility and whatever. I remember years ago I was at a conference and and Professor Barry Jones, I'm sure everyone remembers who he is, um, is the patron of of the Australian um, U3A. And he was heard to say that um, he's going to spend as much time as possible in his third age, and if he has to spend 10 minutes in his fourth age, that'll be too much. <laughs> that's right. And I think that's really brilliant. Yeah. So.
0: But if there's younger people who want to come along,
1: you're not um, saying, no, you can't come. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we only do things during the day, and um, you have to be in your third age to be long. Oh, you do? Three, you are. Yes. You
0: are saying, you, mm-hmm. no, you can't yeah. come. Wonder well, well, no, that's yes. not ageist, is it? Are we, are we allowed to be ageist <laughs> and, and reverse age, ageism?
1: Uh, well, you know, there's a whole lot of debate about it, but um, and most of our programs are for seniors, well all of our programs are for seniors. Mm. Um, and you have to be able to participate in them to be able to to attend. Mm. The reason I ask is my sister um, thought that
0: she'd like to join a singing singing group, but she didn't want to go somewhere where it was all too serious. And she went to this group the other night in New Farm, and she got in there, and they said, "Are you a soprano or a alto? What <laughs> some of the other things are?" And she said, "I didn't even know what I was." And and they start off, and they were very serious, and mm. um, she realised that she was in the wrong place, and.
1: But I guess, you know, people do want to do things like singing for fun or, you know. And we do have chamber singers at at our U3A, and a lot of the U3As do. So if you just want to have fun singing, um, then go to Singing for Fun or Dinky Dye Bush Ballads or Sing sing Along, Um, there's a number of those singing groups that are wholly and solely just to enjoy yourself. But Chamber Singers is for serious um, people who would know whether they were altos or sopranos <laughs> or whatever, which isn't me, But, but and, and they've been going. I think Chamber Singers has been going all the years. I've been a member of U38, three to be quite honest.
0: Oh, Rhonda, it's so fascinating. I also want to know, what did David do?
1: Or did David do the belly dancing class with no. you? <laughs> oh, no. 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 <laughs> that was back in the day. That was the only, or a class, or probably the only class, where men were not even allowed in the room. And the tutor at the time, she was quite definite about that. So it was all ladies, where most of... I don't think we have any other classes where we we make that... Can't think of any at the moment. Just thinking about that, um, I was
0: thinking, is it to do with privacy? But do you have a lot of... um, or many migrants and refugees who come to U3A?
1: Not a huge number, but we do have some. Probably more in things like Tai Chi, um, languages, uh, we actually have a um, gentleman who came to Toowoomba late last year, I think it was, um, and he's, and it, he's Italian. And so um, he's come along, he offered his services and he's come along now and he goes to one of the Italian classes and actually only speaks to them in Italian. And and that has made a huge difference and interest in the class and we've been very fortunate this year as well because for a number of years, or for a short time, our Japanese class didn't have a tutor. But we now have a lovely lady who's Japanese um, and she's you know reinvigorated the whole Japanese class Mm. but one thing we do do with our Japanese class just reminded me that um the Toowoomba sister city Tokarski in Japan they visit U3A um several times when they come out to Toowoomba for whatever reason they come for they're counsellors and um so because of various interaction and visits backwards and forwards and David and I were very fortunate to be invited to um Visit them at their council in Takarski when I was co hosting a conference in Osaka. Um, and to come out of that has been a joint um, class uh, several times a term for our Japanese class here in Toowoomba to meet via first Skype and now at Zoom um, with the adult, uh, with a group of um, Takaski people who are learning English, adult, you know, like a senior's English class. Mm-hmm. So they have this um, combined meeting every couple of, well I think it's about two or three times a term.
0: Well listen I'm just running out of time unfortunately and there's a couple of things that I want to ask you. Rhonda, um, what's the worst piece of advice someone has given you do you think?
1: (laughs) Do you know I think go back to something I mentioned touched on briefly a little while ago was that when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s girls got married they didn't need a career and to me it's probably not so much advice I suppose it's advice in a way but but I think that that's something that that is just so not heard of in today's society and had I been growing up now it would be totally different
0: Mm, that's true yes we've we've come a long way we have whether we're there yet what about the worst piece of advice you might have given
1: someone can you think no I don't actually think I go around giving advice (laughs) So I don't know I don't know. Perhaps you should ask my daughters. <laughs> <laughs> Could be too. Well sort of on on
0: the um the theme of um that, who do you think in your life has been the most influential influential person in your life?
1: I don't actually know that one particular person had, but when we were growing up we had um two great aunts. Who, for various reasons, lived for something like fifty odd years after their parents had passed away. They had never worked because they were you know born in the late eighteen nineties and so and but because they were um single ladies, they lived together, they were like extra grand grandmas, I suppose they were very gracious ladies, very quiet um, and they loved me unconditionally and if I looked back, those two ladies who I loved dearly, and in fact I am named our eldest daughter um, as her, one of their second names, um, they were two ladies who I think influenced me greatly. Um, they were independent, um, they were quite elderly, both in their sixties when I was born. Oh, elderly! And, and but but for many many years they travelled. They just hop on a train and go to the Blue Mountains from you know from Harvey Bay, and, and they were independent. But they were just such gracious ladies. I think their influence was really important in my early years. In my latter years, one of David's aunties, she was um, a really special lady and. Many a time when we've sat and chatted, um, I often think back on on her and her life and how she lived her life. So, so two great aunts and one yeah. one of David's aunts. Yeah.
0: So you're the the two great aunts. What were their
1: names? Phoebe and Ruth Pop.
0: Okay. And were they? You've mentioned earlier that was it Dutch heritage, Danish. Danish. Were they? Well,
1: they were German. They were, they were from. German. I have Danish and German um, ancestors, and they were. Um, from my German ancestry, yeah. with okay. a name like Pop, of course. Yes. <laughs>
0: That's a lovely story. It's a lovely to think of you as a, a young girl and going and seeing the aunts. And um, So they lived near you on the farm, did they? Oh, they,
1: lived in, they lived in Harvey Bay. We lived in Nickenbar which was, in those days, five miles, so whatever that is nowadays. Uh, but we used to visit them regularly every second Sunday afternoon. And my elder sister and I often spent several weeks there in the Christmas holidays they were always there after school or yes just just amazing ladies
0: well as i say i'm running out of time but that sounds like another volume of this podcast because as you say that i think you know what did they cook what did how did they spoil you all the you know did they teach you to sort of not tat i wouldn't imagine <laughs> but so i'm going to leave that for now um Rhonda, who is your most favorite royal
1: person I do you have a
0: favorite royal person
1: I'm not a really big royalist, but I would say that that, um, almost any Australian um, female would have to say Mary, because if you come from an ordinary background and take on what she has taken on, and she is just so um, perfect at what she does, um, learned a new language, left home, all the things that, you know, just blow your mind. She would have to be my favourite royal. Mm, That's a perfect answer
0: coming from you, Rhonda, I think. All the (laughs) qualities that you admire, you embrace yourself, I think. Yeah. So, Mary it is then. And um, now I would imagine, apart from belly dancing, you've probably done other, they have um,
1: ballroom dancing classes at U3A? They have old time dancing, yes. But David, not being a country boy, he doesn't do old time dancing or pretty well any dancing, um, but but we do have um, old time dance, yes. Okay, well put
0: that aside for a minute, if, they're, um, if you're somewhere at a wedding or something and they put this
1: song on, what's the song that can't keep you off the dance floor? Do you know, I think any music or any song that Susie Q sang, or, you know when I was a um, volunteer at the Empire Theatre when we first came here, every time she came to town I used to either volunteer or go and see her. And, and she is just so vibrant and, and and fun-loving and full of life. And, and I don't think you could not dance or toe-tap or something when she was performing or singing. A bit of
0: Devil to Gate Drive, you think?
1: Mm, yeah. yeah. And, and Can she used the to Can. Come, yeah.
0: <laughs> she used to come a lot to Tawber, did she? Yes, yes, she did. Yes. That's and another and thing that COVID might have...
1: Um,
0: Susie Quattro still is around I think so, so, yes
1: she's only our age my (laughs) age, age, you're probably younger than me (laughs) I think I remember looking up once and finding she was about the same age as me
0: Oh, isn't that brilliant with those Ooh, leather pants? I know. And so,
1: Susie Quattro. Mm-hmm. Well, Rhonda,
0: that is another surprising answer. I didn't think that you were going to tell me, Susie Quattro, but I love it. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, <laughs> I've really enjoyed having a chat with you today and finding out of the, the, the drivers, the motivators that um, not only your career before U3A, but where you got to with U3A and the incredible job that you've done here. So, thank you. Thank you for being my guest on Big Little Small Talk, Rhonda. It's
1: been my pleasure, Megan. Thank you for asking me.
0: That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me on Big Little Small Talk. I hope you can make the time to join me next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favourite podcast app.